0: Well, this, this long, harsh season of wildfires and smoky skies and germ-ridden pestilence plagues descending has done many things, but it has not chipped away at your ability to string together a fine A-plus sexual analogy.
1: Everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. You're lucky because on today's episode, it's Saul versus Alex, Alex versus
0: Saul. Two white men talking about themselves.
1: Featuring a career elitist trying to find a purpose for his life, a Jewish male shopaholic. As if that's news? Landline Podcast, Friday before the election. Thanks for listening. A little chat with our old friend Saul. Three-piece suits. Functional alcoholism. A tin phone booth. Plus we get into what sort of cake should you bake on election night or should you be in a national park on psychedelics. All right, landline. Plenty more episodes coming up. Thanks. You're listening to Landline. Landline. It would appear I missed a call from you. Yeah, we called at the same time. I think our calls, like, passed each other on the internet. Well, they actually collided with one another and sent us both negative reinforcement.
0: I I like that theory, and not being a physicist, I won't completely disregard it, but I actually saw that I had a missed call from you on my non-landline phone, and then I called you back.
1: Well, thank you. Do you have a landline? No, but I, I hope to in the near future,
0: so soon enough I'll pass that number to you and you can grace me with the inaugural
1: phone call. That will be, like, next level, as they say, in the business, or in, in the teenage circles. Good afternoon, good evening. Good to have one. Good night.
0: Memorize each other's phone numbers.
1: Yeah, oh, I know yours by heart. Um, I won't say it out loud because I know you're hiding from various groups, mostly South and Central American, <laughs> but... Uh, um yes, keep that to yourself. Um okay, well I'm so excited about a lot of stuff. Thank you for being on the show. Five oh three eight nine four eighty four eighty is the is the number, but as you know through a text message, I um dare I I I I pray tell I, I'm embarrassed to to uh admit I it, we've kind of we've jumped an echelon at Landline. We are I'm in a vintage phone booth recording this podcast. I have a microphone installed coming out of the ceiling that's like lowered, like Michael Buffer at a at a fight, and uh, you sound good. I think I sound great, other than my nasally voice is now refracting off the press tin. Um, so if you didn't like my voice before, you're 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 shit out of luck now. But. I've got mahogany doors with windows to my left that open with this like incredible, well greased eighty year old action, uh, sort of an accordion door. Um, it's it's all happening, Saul. My my wildest dreams have come true. I'm podcasting in, an, in a vintage phone booth.
0: So what's the what's the history behind this booth? Do, do we know its pedigree? Can we trace it back to like a uh, you know fourth generation you know immigrant from you know early. 20th century Europe or something like that.
1: Who might be like, have a relationship with Thomas Edison someplace in their past. Um, So it is a Christmas present for all you Gentiles, holiday on December 25th, Um, from my lovely wife and frequent podcast guest, Anna Lucy. And I think we're going to podcast about the full story and the um, you know the full providence of the booth, but I do know and I can share right now that it was in Yakima, Washington at a record store for the last 30 years. It was the listening booth at a record store. So I'm not really sure if we came up with, if we spent all night with like the best California weed, I'm not sure we could come up with a, a top five list of where we wanted a phone booth for Landline to come from that didn't include... A record store listening
0: booth. I agree. I think that out of all the sort of um, illustrious pathways that this could have followed in life,
1: um, a record store listening booth is pretty much as good as you could ask for. And I think a crazy guy sold it to her, and some pretty unique moving people delivered it to us for two and a half hours last night, and and that'll be all on the on the on the phone booth podcast, but. Um, here we are. More bells and whistles to come. You know, I always imagined my full-on fantasy, and of course this podcast is just one giant fantasy, um, it, it, my full fantasy was being able to walk into a booth while the phone rang and flip a light switch and have the entire like sound system come alive, the phone get answered, the recording power up, and it be almost an instantaneous transfer from my home landline to my podcast. But I'm realizing after setting up a few things, and this is really only phone booth 1.0, that it's kind of like, I mean, the best analogy I can come up with is like a vibrator. Like you can, you know, have the best vibrator in the world and set it on the bed and have it charge up right when you walk into the room, but you're still going to need to figure out if it's on the right speed, if it's in the right position, if it's, you know, doing, like, the action that you need it to, usually they have a few different settings. So you're never going to get what you need. You kind of just need to work with the equipment and and kind of put a little love into it at that moment to make it um, perform exactly how you need. So it's not going to be, it's not never going to be instantaneous, especially not in the landline world.
0: Well, this, this long, harsh season of wildfires and smoky skies and germ ridden, Pestilence, Plagues, Descending has done many things, but it has not chipped away at your ability to string together a fine A-plus sexual analogy. So, well done on that. (laughs)
1: Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, the other thing I
1: want you to know about the phone booth, and we won't do 45 minutes on this, although we easily could, um, is that it's hot in here. I'm just, like, blowing my own hot air right into the phone booth, and it's kind of like the perfect governor for the podcast. It's going to allow me in the most natural way, there's no cell phone timer, there's no red clock in the corner, there's no, you know, producer snapping their fingers, I'm just going to know that I've ranted for too long when I physically can't exist in the in in the phone booth anymore.
0: So, I mean, given the heat, do you, this is fascinating, do you have like a, a podcasting uniform now? Do you have like tight spandex short shorts and like some sort of like 70s era jersey? Like what do you wear when you
1: step in? Wow. Right now it's just sort of kind of a jean pant, uh, Patagonia. I don't really know what it's made out of. Probably like recycled indigenous sneakers or something like that. And then a, a T-shirt that has an organic coffee company shirt uh, logo on it and a hat. Like a baseball cap, But um, which probably isn't okay. helping the heat. But yeah, you're right. I mean, leave it to you, our, our true fashion expert, to to ask that question. I mean, what should, I, I think a basketball jersey sounds cool and airy right now. I mean, that would be great. Um, what would a landline... What, what's, a, what's a landline outfit? Um, some sort of Hawaiian shirt, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, but then, then you could come off as one of those um,
0: bugaboos. We're not We're not trying to start a civil war on this thing.
1: You know, here's an interesting side note on this question. Isn't it amazing watching these vintage, prestige dramas like Boardwalk Empire or, you know, pick pick whatever it is? Um, and I do have a list of topics here. I, I do want to talk about the election. I feel like you're the one sort of safe zone on the election, like not choosing a side, not predicting anything. I just kind of we need to have sort of a we need to help people get through the next few days. Um, and I want to talk about well, so if
0: we can if we can do that by analyzing what Ducky Thompson wore for, like, a spread collar and, like, tie clip in season
1: three. I'm more than happy to do that. Well, isn't it just amazing watching those shows how those men, and, I mean, women, too, they were in layers, but they were just wearing so many clothes, regardless of how hot it was. And I just, I mean, I... And they
0: lived in fucking hotel suites. They got to live in hotel suites. Like, not stay in them, but live in them. They moved in, and they usually didn't move out. You know how freaking jealous I am of that?
1: <laughs> well, but what, but, you know, I'm just... Tex,
0: Tex, Tex Rickard, he was um, Jack Dempsey's promoter in the 20s, and he became famous for promoting the first million-dollar gate of any sporting event in history.
1: This is boxing, um, by the Tex way.
0: Rickard, for... Great guy, great guy. He was a uh, famous for... He had so many clothes, so many beautiful suits that he was so desirous of wearing that he was famous for going back to his hotel suite in Manhattan at a minimum of three times per day just to change into a new suit. He had too many.
1: Now you wear them enough. You 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 have more DNA connection as it relates to suit wearing um, than anyone else I know. And maybe I would say more than most of the universe, although there are probably cultures in, you know, other parts of the world, Africa and Asia, South America, where suits are, you know, still remain the way to go. I mean, even our richest people in this country now are wearing basketball shorts and, and hooded sweatshirts. But I was going to ask you, like, even you, who is the best modern representation of what that time was like because of your incredible selection of clothing... There's a part of you that would say, man, this is hot. I mean, no air conditioning and, you know, just summer weather inside, eating heavy meals, drinking, you know, drinking whiskey in the middle of the day and eating red meat and wearing a three-piece wool suit. I know there was linen, but I'm just kind of amazed that they didn't figure out, you know, something that didn't have a waistcoat involved at least or you know a vest i don't know if a waistcoat is a vest technically but but you know what but alex they were they were the
0: greatest generation they they made sacrifices to them it was more important to look great than to feel comfortable and if you had told one of them to put on a pair of sneakers and cargo shorts you would have laughed in your face gosh or in boardwalk empire's case probably shot you
1: right or stabbed stabbed you Oh gosh, no you're right, shot. No, that
0: style style trumped just about everything. And God bless him for it. And another thing too, if you can get through half an episode of that show without running out and buying a decanter and some nice crystal glassware to put your scotch in, then to me you're not really a human being. You're some sort of robotic cyborg.
1: The the like I lo- you know, of course they make whiskey look great in that ten pound tumbler you know, in their evening wear and their tails hang around the lounge before they go to the, you know, the, the cat house or whatever. But, but, um, I love, I even love more watching them drink whiskey out of basically water glasses at, you know, 11 in the morning when they, you know, someone, someone, when they have to sort of go to another part of town and make good with. With a guy who ha- you know, with some guy who has less than they do, and they offer him a drink, and of course they're going to take it, and they're just drinking out of an eight o- a thin eight ounce water glass. They're drinking, you know, three fingers of whiskey, warm whiskey at eleven in the morning. Quite a, quite a thing. Um, warm
0: warm whiskey and waistcoats. I mean, what what better way to spend
1: your day? So I don't know how we got. Yeah. So I don't know what the outfit should be, Saul. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, should I get in a three-piece suit? That's obviously how you want it done. I guess that means I'm all business. I guess that takes my commitment to the podcast to another level. And I certainly think this this phone booth is a great example where it's, it's not my investment. This was a present. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know how it got here. I don't know how it was procured. Um, but I know that it's a great example of how if you invest in something that is fledgling, that you know it gives it at least six more months. that's what this po- that's what this podcast is going to benefit from with this phone booth. That's what this phone booth is doing. In the podcast is We're getting at least six more months out of landline because of this this beautiful investment by by my partner, as they say today in 2020 so um and what a great
0: christmas gift i'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that out loud everyone is thinking what a spectacular gift.
1: Yeah, it's the best gift i've ever I've ever received by far. Um, I, you know, I've received I've received great gifts, but I have a full size antique phone booth in my hall in my small home right now. It's pretty incredible. So
0: and we could do a whole other talk just on like the fact that two people had to move it into your house. When you told me that, I felt tired just listening.
1: To it. Oh, it did not go. It did not go well. It did not go well. Two white gentlemen from. Um, Idaho, from northern Idaho. Are you walking through the San Diego airport? Where are you going?
0: (laughs) I am catching a nip of fresh air, but if it's uh, obtrusive, then I'm happy
1: to go back inside. No, I think it's good. I think it's great to walk and talk. We'll see, you know, I'll I'll chime in if it's, it's intrusive. So... So it's been a long time, Saul, and I hope you do have some things you want to say. Of course, I'll I'll lead the rodeo here, but um, I I have a couple of things that I want to get through. But I do I I don't I, I'd be remiss. I don't really get how that works verbally. I'd be remiss, but we could talk about that on another on another podcast. Because what if you are remiss, or what if you're not remiss? I don't know. Anyway, so. The election is now six nights away, and I would say, you know, I'd be a dummy if I didn't think that 90 plus percent of the landline listening audience is voting in one fashion, but I know that at least a few and a few important people of the landline listening audience are not, and so, um, you know, I don't really want to pick a side. Um, I voted. I voted for who everyone probably thinks I did, And, and here we go, but... You know, one thing that occurred to me today is I feel like we should describe a scenario for that bulk of listeners who are nervous where Donald Trump does get reelected. And, you know, what I don't want to describe the scenario of how the 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 country is going to fall apart and how, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I'm just trying to figure out, like, we might need to coach some people into how are they going to to deal You might as well prepare for that. And then if it doesn't happen, then you can basically deal with whatever does. And, you know, you don't need to get excited to be happy. You can just let it happen. But I feel like you might need to prepare to be sad. And uh, I went on this incredible bike ride along the Willamette River yesterday and this perfect mid afternoon October, you know orange sun with that incredible deep blue sky behind it and changing leaves and people were you know getting their exercise. It was cold in the shade and warm in the sun you know it's a, it's my favorite time of year to be to be short, and uh I was just thinking like I can still do that regardless of whatever happens in the election. I can still. Decide to get a giant, you know, salmon instead of a turkey and salt bake it for Thanksgiving. I can still podcast in this antique phone booth. I can still, you know, do all these fun things. Obviously, it's going to be COVID. It's going to be winter. It's going to be hell. But I'm just, I'm like, you know, are you prepared for Donald Trump to win again? And, and, you know, what are, how are you managing that psychologically?
0: Okay. So here's the thing. I'm going to, Try to choose my words relatively carefully because I understand that emotions are high. Um, First of all, passionately opposed to him, I'll sort of state the obvious caveat that you have to state when talking with a degree of nuance to avoid cancellation. Passionately opposed, genuinely frightened by the idea of a second term, genuinely depressed by the idea of a second term, genuinely believe that he doing really terrible things, not just to the obvious spheres of the environment and social rights and equality and divisiveness, but, you know, also fundamentally democracy. So, you know, let me say all of that. Then let me also say that we're really fucking lucky here because there's a lot of countries and there's a lot of historical periods out there where if this kind of election went the wrong way, you would see it popping up in your day-to-day life in really substantial ways. Uh, One day, you'd realize that the newspaper you read didn't print the same kind of articles, or maybe didn't even exist, or maybe started, you know, uh, cheerleading for the government in some way. Um, You'd notice that some of your TV stations, whether MSNBC or CNN or Fox, suddenly started saying the same things and doing some cheerleading, too. Uh, You might even notice more police on the streets. You might notice soldiers in the streets. You might notice all kinds of rights disappearing. So fundamentally, I think what we have to remember, despite all our fears, is that it could be way fucking worse. And in fact, in much of the world, it is way fucking worse. Way fucking worse. I could say that ten times and not be saying it enough. And so if we're looking to stay cheerful about things... Factually, day to day, our lives might be more recognizable than we want to, you know, give our political system credit for. And I think that that is something important to remember. We are pretty damn lucky. If that's one takeaway anyone could have when listening to me, we're pretty damn lucky. In a historical sense and in a global
1: sense, especially the people in the sphere of this podcast, right? Like if you personally know me or yes,
0: absolutely, have been attracted, especially att-
1: us, yeah, been been attracted to listen to this or or you know unattracted to it and to let, and therefore you listen. We we're we're pretty lucky, especially us. So I mean I, I couldn't agree with you more for sort of the demographic of the people that we're talking about here. Um, it's interesting. It's like it, the, the the analogy that keeps coming up in my head and I can't really pinpoint it, but is sort of in something where it's been like a, a really difficult puzzle to figure out or it's been a very long journey or it's been, you know, a game or you get to all the way to the end. Like we're finally here. Like everyone can tap back into that dismay that they had when Trump got elected, which must have been, you know, even, even in ways, you know, contrast pretty well to how we feel now. Like, it's been just so redundant and just beating us over the head with the sadness for a lot of us. But um, we could do another four years, like we could get through it. And like, people do have gotten through worse, right? People have been in jail for decades, people have been under, you know, apartheid for decades, people have been under, you know, some sort of People have had Angela Merkel as their chancellor for 20 years or whatever it is. I mean, not that that's bad. uh, Well, it must be bad for some people. So anyways, I I agree with you. Like, I think there's got to be some sort of value in taking a deep breath. Like you have to go back underwater and hold your breath again. Um, And the worst thing that could happen with regard to that, other than it comes true, is that you're wrong, that your expectations are wrong. I mean, um, you know, obviously you have to vote and everyone should vote regardless of who they're voting for. And that's kind of the most cliche thing that has ever been said. There's, There's got to be a sound effect we can play on Landline where I fall into something that's been said at least a thousand times on other radio programs. But um, I think trying to figure out a way to just not necessarily wrap all of your expectations up in the outcome on Tuesday is is uh a, a is a good decision to make. So, um yeah, I don't know what are you going to do that night? Like what do you do? Have you come up with a strategy? Like do you know what you're going to cook? Do you know what you're going to watch? Are you going to exercise? What time are you going to check in? I mean, the east coast results will start being like pretty real way earlier for us where on the west coast and like have you thought at all about like how you're going to cope to get through that anxiety of the day? Well, I mean, this weekend I'm just going to
0: spend it in uh, the woods running around a national park eating psychedelic mushrooms, and I kind of want to just stay there. I kind of want to just stay there and come back on, like, Thursday and be like, okay, guys, what I miss? Wow. That to me seems kind of the healthiest, filling one's mind with psychotropic substances and plenty of fresh, clean water. Wow. So personally, I'm thinking that is the most mentally healthy way and for those who will point out the irony that I'm using a psychedelic substance to stay mentally healthy I'd say you tell me what makes you feel better eating mushrooms or reading the front page of the times for 45 minutes ooh uh, i know what i'd pick wow
1: so, and yeah keep anyway, going not trying to go on a you know drug
0: promoting tangent although a couple uh, elections might Make some of this stuff slightly less illegal than it used to be,
1: including in Oregon. I voted to legalize uh, psilocybin as a treatment for PTSD and other mental illness.
0: There we go. I, I crossed the California border to Oregon uh, to make that statement. Now I'm back. So for me, yeah, I mean, what's you know, here's, I mean, maybe, maybe what I'll do is this. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll sit down in a three-piece suit with a nice crystal tumbler full of good scotch and not watch television because we don't have a television, you know, and, like, listen to the radio once an hour and just pretend that, like, I'm I'm listening to a nice, soothing fireside chat or something like that. Uh, I think that what I don't want to do is get sucked into a black hole of, like, staring as, you know, um, they do their thing on the video screens and the boards for 10 hours, you know, saying... This, 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 breaking news, county by county. You know, it's, it's how, do, how do I want to spend a day? What's going to make me happiest? I think probably, like, um, doing everything the complete opposite of what I did in 2016. Which was living in front of the television by myself for, like, 10 hours and going to bed and going like shit, because we got beat. So, anything and everything I can do. It's a Seinfeld, right? Uh, what do you do? When you spend your whole life being a loser, eating, you know, tuna on rye, uh, you switch it up. You do pastrami on toast. I think I flipped those two sandwiches, but you get the idea. If something's not working, do the goddamn opposite.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, and your sound is—it's um, been good. It just waved a little bit there at the end, but, um, but you don't have to like run home. Just, just—I uh, don't know if you can pinpoint it. So, I—we just got to fight. Stopped walking for a moment. That's what did I. So we got a fire pit. Um, and, you know, I didn't do what I should have. I didn't go on Craigslist and buy, you know, a, a $7,000 used iron fire pit that was forged in, you know, a Southern Oregon forgery in 1890. Um, but I did go to Lowe's and buy something that was manufactured in China and stunk like toxic chemicals when we first lit a fire on it. And so call the landline 503-894-8480 if you want to call me a hypocrite, because I certainly am. But um, we have a fire pit outside now. I feel like you just maybe dawned in my mind, if that can be a verb, uh, the importance of potentially lighting a fire and spending some, some time outside. I mean, I think that the takeaway of what I'm trying to say is connecting with the natural elements when something is so cerebral, right? I mean, the vote counting, the projections, the exit polls, the lawsuits, the televisions, the tweets, all of that is all manufactured. Like that didn't, that was not an organic creation of the distance between the earth and the sun, the amount of water and the amount of hydrogen and carbon on the surface of the planet. That was completely something that our brains which are incredibly powerful, have made up that the intensity of the election night has to be around immediate understanding of what's going to happen. I completely empathize with everyone. I completely understand why everyone wants to know as soon as possible good news. But I think just the simple act of going outside and lighting a fire in a fire pit, taking a walk in the neighborhood, connecting with the fact that it's going to be, you know, a waning moon that just coming out of full on Halloween And that it's a beautiful time of year with a little bit of nip in the air. We remember that the world isn't so hot that there aren't chills still. And that might calm everybody down a little bit. So, you know, I I feel you. I think that that's a smart idea. I think making a like having a cake to bake or a pie or a banana bread that comes out of the oven isn't the worst thing in the world either. Like making yourself have to get up and check something with a cake tester or go and stir the chili could bring a little bit of, uh, you know, normalcy to your routine.
0: Here's the thing. I I talk to so many people who, I think feeling strong emotions about this stuff is is good because it means you care about this stuff. I absolutely think that. And I think that staying politically involved and staying motivated and taking action, these are all good things. But when I talk to people who just describe feeling, you know, this overwhelming, you know, pet, lastest flow of, of anxiety and nervousness for weeks and weeks on the end about politics, they don't pay you enough. In fact, unless they're, unless MSNBC is paying you to sit there and make it your business all day and talk about it, or unless you're uh, getting paid by a newspaper to write a column every week, I mean, you literally don't get paid enough to, to do that. You can to me personally, I don't want to say you, I don't want to tell anyone what. To but to me personally, these these week long binges, like alcoholic binges, but binging on political misery and gnawing anxiety, is that healthy? that healthy for anyone to be feeling or swamped by?
1: Your sound, is, um, I'm I'm going to take this out. But you, um, it almost felt like you were all of a sudden talking in one earphone or something like that at the end there. God damn it! Just go back to whatever you were doing five minutes ago. It was perfect. You'll, like your your the deep bass of your voice has got has is gone. It sounds like, all of a sudden, you're uh, in outer space. Landline.
2: You have thirty nine new messages. Twenty seven saved messages. Main menu. To listen to your messages, press one. First voice message. Alex, Anna, thank you so deeply for making Landline. Um, For some reason, we've been friends for a long time, and I have never actually listened to the podcast. Um, And I don't know why. I don't know why it took me so long. I think it was this idea that if you ever moved across country again, um, well, I guess first, I just really enjoyed sitting in a lawn chair outside drinking a spritzer with you and hearing your uh, brilliant analysis IRL. Um, and so I think I was holding on to these landlines as little treasures that if you ever moved across country that I would put a box in my back or sit in a falling apart lawn chair and have a spritzer and just listen to them just to hear your voices and your thoughts on things. But now that I've listened to them, I really feel like I need to listen to it to know what the future is going to be. Um, Kind of a combination of it feels like the Delphi panel, Delphi panel, like the the Oracle at Delphi, sitting on a vista looking out over the parking lot full of Target shoppers um, so there's a truthness there, but then it also just feels so refreshingly salty and palatable. So anyway, just laugh a lot and then feed a little bit and then cry because it's such a great art form that you have tapped into. And I keep I hope you keep making them. I love you both. you End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To save it, press 9. Message erased.
1: Landline. So, do you want to talk about Sober October?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Why
1: not? How's the fruit fly problem in Oakland, by the way?
0: Yeah, it's surprisingly annoying. Uh, I actually was doing dishes this evening and saw a little crowd of them.
1: I can't get rid of them. I feel like... Fruit flies are the next deer tick. I think this is landline breaking news. I, I mean, it's one thing that I compost so much food, and I guess that's my problem. But we did a full like head to toe cleaning of all the shelves, all the spice racks, all the corners of the counters, and th- there's there's at least three there's at least three fruit flies in this in this giant hot phone booth that I'm recording this podcast in right now. So they're pestering hey, me. Yeah, the- I thought
0: they'd gone. I thought they'd gone out of.
1: I think they're. On the West Coast. I think they're back in fashion. I think we should give fruit flies their 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 uh, due. I I would think that they'd be gone by November first, but I don't know if there's any fruit fly experts out there. Five zero three eight nine four eight four eighty. You call in and tell us about fruit flies because, it seems to me like they come inside the house right when the weather turns cold. All right, so Saul, Sorry, but you. I
0: mean, they, have, they have remarkably delicate. I mean, there is the saying, "the constitution of a fly." You know that saying had to come from somewhere. I mean, you'd literally think that one good chilly night would just take out the whole population until the following year.
1: Yeah, but then you got to leave your your windows open. We do the um, the two tricks we do are the Saran wrap over the bowl with the cider vinegar, and then you poke hole oh. you poke holes in it, and the flies are they can they they can smell fruit flies i found from the internet one of the internet's redeeming qualities finding information out like this fruit flies can smell up to a kilometer away so fascinating so they will smell the cider vinegar and they go inside and then they they're too dumb their sense of smell is great but they're too dumb to figure out how to get outside again um they don't know about tunnels obviously they they can't smell a tunnel from from a micrometer so um they skid, They go into I the
0: feel, I feel. like that stuff. Though it's like chemical warfare. Like, or is it end worth the means?
1: <laughs> well, I. I just think that at some. The thing about fruit flies is that they grow exponentially. So you're like, oh, this is quaint. You know, this feels just like 1970 in the Hudson River Valley, where I'm taking my gal up upstate, and you know, like Annie Hall. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna cook lobsters for for the first time. There'll be fruit flies and. I'll get to have sex three times a day. Well, like it turns out, if you go to bed with those sweet thoughts in your head, and you wake up the next morning, there is ten times as many fruit flies, and it's time for the chemical warfare. It's just there's no. I mean, unless you have another option, it's opening all the windows, I guess. But um, you can also put a dash of dish soap in in the uh, in the cider vinegar. But yeah, I mean, what are I guess a fly strip would be the other option.
0: Yeah. What about just a mojito or something?
1: Yeah, that would be good. You could make them. You could. You could
0: like a nice wide daiquiri glass.
1: You could send them. You could send them down to the to the underworld with something delicious, like like a uh, a mojito. That's a great idea. Um, speak. So speaking of drinks, um, you know we you and I have have done podcasts. I I I remember a few moments from the podcast. Um, from there are now I think over ninety episodes and at least seventy plus on SoundCloud. Um, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find landline, no, no website, no Twitter handle, no Instagram, 503-894-8480. If you want to, um, send us a letter, it's 3860 North Melrose, Portland, Oregon, 97227 postcard letter checks to support the cause. I spent $71 at guitar center the other day in person, at least not online. Um, and they said their sales are through the roof, by the way, everybody's recording, which just makes me feel like. Another dumb sap pretending like anybody cares what he thinks, but which I am. Landline. Um Oh, but, you've
0: been you've been doing it. You know, I, I won't say it started before it was fashionable, but it started before it was a a full on, you know, complete cra- buffalo stampede. Everyone's sprinting for the micro.
1: Craze before it was a craze. So with a K. It's a craze now. Podcasting it's definitely, is officially a craze. It's a podcast Just craze. To
0: be like the Dutch tulip crisis. Is there going to be some kind of
1: Well, if there is, that'll be when Landline shines because there's nothing Landline likes better than a recession, a podcast recession. So, so tell me this, Saul, or uh, what I was going to say is I remember a specific moment in one of our podcasts where you're talking about like, how do you stop drinking? Like we're, we're now we're, we're lower level here. Like we don't want to, we're not replacing AA. We don't want to get into like true, like abusive alcoholism here. We're just talking about like you know, garden variety, Connecticut function, functioning alcoholics. That's that's who we can address because that's who we are. And so um, I thought that uh, what you said in an episode probably three years ago was you you described that like stopping drinking for a period of time is like exiting the atmosphere in a rocket. That it's really difficult to get through those first few layers. But once you like get through the stratosphere and into outer space – you're just orbiting, you know, and, and and the equivalent is those first three, four, five days of not having a cocktail or five and, and just, you know, reminding yourself that you can eat some cookies and you can go to bed early. And as long as you get to dinner, it's not that hard to get to bed. Um, you wake up the next morning feeling great. Once you get into that orbit, you know, days five through 20 come pretty easily. And I did that in August. I think I did 22 days straight. So, I'm about halfway through a bottle of, of Oregon Rose right now, but you did Sober October and I just wanted to check in with you, um, not for redundant content, but because I think, you know, as, as 30, shit, 37-year-olds, we are constantly um, trying to do this dance with, with the monster that is alcohol and uh, I want to know how it's going. You're not talking about what you're going to do, you're talking, where you, you're talking about where you've been the last month.
0: I mean, here's, here's the thing, right? Like, I think my conclusion is just really wishing that it felt worse. Because if it felt worse, then I could just say, I don't want to do this anymore. But the problem is that when you begin to, you know, reap the advantages, right? You're, you're like a farmer going out in the field. you planted, right? You've, you've got squash or, you know, um, grapes or cabbage or, you know, whatever your, your poison is. And you plant and then you just begin, you know, instead of waiting like five years to reap your harvest, it starts popping up like Jack and the Goddamn Beanstalk, just immediately, right? Just vines, you know, shooting out of the loamy soil, sky high, climbing over the house, vegetation, lush, everything immediately. My point being that don't start feeling better and sharper with greater clarity and greater, you know, physical force weeks or months or years later right this is this kind of video game short-term effect you start doing it and almost literally overnight you think this is pretty nice and then give it a week or two and you think this is great this is absolutely you know pie in the sky fantastic so that's kind of the issue with it right it would be a lot easier to say these these periods of time are not necessary because, you know, physical anguish or if the, you know, visible changes are are less um, manifesting to the naked eye or, you know, if you feel kind of the same doing it or not doing it. But when you have this clear line, then, of course, it makes you just want to, you know, springboard your way into November. Same, Same old style. Keep it right up, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's my whole fundamental thing. When I begin drinking again, and I do say when because I'm not trying to leave the audience in suspense and, you know, think, hey, am I going to really um, you know, go farther than we all want this time? I'm going to start again, but I know that that first sip is going to be completely, completely disappointing. I'm going to look at my glass, and the back of my brain is going to, like, shoot out a smoke signal and say, are you sure about this? And then I'm going to raise the glass to my hand.
1: So what have you accomplished in October? Like, are there any, because I know you're going into the, uh, we're all going into the end of the month and there could be some pitfalls on the horizon as it relates to current events where you might choose to fix yourself a scotch or a a cold, dirty martini. Um, Do you have any sort of, you know, highlights of the last month where you're like, man, this felt really good? Peeing at night is like all time, and it it is interesting. You just never, and and it's good. You never agree to think that you are gonna be old or older about anything. And so when people mention things like, "Man, now that I'm you know older, I have to pee all the time," or "My knees hurt when I go out to play pickup basketball," or "Oh no, you'll see." You know, after leaning down to pick up your kids in your 30s, like, your back's going to hurt in your 40s. You're like, yeah, yeah, fatso. Like, that's not going to be me. But, you know, the three, you know, two or three beers while, you know, watching uh, The Vow or The Great British Baking Show or playing backgammon with my wife, The Great British Breaking Show. That's good. Um, You, I'm up three times between ten thirty and six to pee.
0: You're a fruit, you're a fruit fly and cider vinegar. And, and
1: I'm wondering, like, I mean, maybe we need to have like a kidney liver expert on the podcast, 503 894 Um But is this, you know, cause talk about incentive, like, and, and the weight loss of course is incentive. Like, look, if you stop drinking for three weeks, you're going to drop five pounds and people are like, okay, cool. This is good. Like, I remember before before my wedding when I wanted to look really good and I did it was no beer, no sandwiches, um and no desserts. And like if you do no beer, no sandwiches, no desserts for a month, you're 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 looking skinny. I don't care how fat you are. So Um, but the, the peeing thing, like, is there, is, are you regenerating? Like, is there a place, could someone tell me that after three weeks of not drinking that like your kidneys and your liver have gained some level of, you know, respectability back because that could be a nice incentive for all of us to do, you know, three weeks on, one week off every month or something like that. Look, something, something goes on
0: and neither one of us studied medicine as far as I know. So maybe we're the wrong ones to be figuring out the puzzle, but something goes on and there's something there. And to be clear, you know, when I'm drinking, I'm not hooking myself up to a keg of Budweiser for four hours before a bed. There's absolutely no physiological reason that I can pinpoint anyway. And yet, there we go. The facts are the facts.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like an acid reflux. It's like a kidney reflux or something like that. Um. All right. Well, we're proud of you. I'll t- Landline Podcast I mean, is you, proud of you. And so you tell so you. I mean, you tell me. I mean, what you you did? August.
0: You did a chunk of September, right? You're you're right there with me, a month ahead of me. So, like, what um what went on in your brain? Like, did you did you think this was fun while it lasted? You know, was it like it was sobriety this like, hot, sexy affair when you're like twenty four? doing, like, study abroad in your graduate years in Paris, and you wave goodbye knowing that it's probably not going to come around again? Or is this something where you thought this has the, um, you know, the bones, the solidity of a long-lasting relationship? And did you want it to be
1: that? Well, the issue is this. The issue is how can you... It's feast or famine. Like, you know, you show me somebody who says they just have... A glass of wine three nights a week and I tell you that person is make believe or I don't wanna hear about Right. Them. I
0: wanna be I wanna be like the insurance companies who who say, Yeah, sure you never go over sixty let us plug this like electronic, you know, laser beam into your dashboard and record the data for ourselves. Those those people who say I have a glass of wine over and out, non deal. Let me let me let me put
1: a webcam in your wine glass twenty four hours a day for a week and see what happens. I think you know a few things one the the i want you know i um I wasn't ready to try to make it it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of pressure to have it be continuous forever, like you do want this i i well, I don't know, sorry for starting and stopping to all the listeners, but it's a complicated issue, and it's it's pretty real like it's like if okay, if I'm never drinking again, does that mean that I'm an alcoholic because I can't handle it, and so Do I want to go down that road? And, you know, that's like some cousin of of agreeing to go to therapy or or agreeing that, you know, I don't know what the other things would be that you need to like go to a weight loss consultant. It's like a big announcement to the world that you have a problem. And so to not drink for 25 days or whatever it was, 22 days, to then never drink again, it's almost like you're then admitting that you can't drink again. And so that's a challenge Whereas they're like, oh, I can do this. So I'm going to have another beer um, because it's a beautiful September sunny day and we're at a party and I want to have a beer. And I just showed I can handle it. So I'm going to have one. But no, I mean, to answer your question, it felt great. It was easier to do things. It was it was easier to it, everything you said is true. And I concur. And I think that. um I, you know, drinking alcohol makes me feel good. I think everyone, uh, everyone avoids saying that. And like right now, a lot of stuff feels pretty shitty, you know, being trapped inside your house for 10 days because, because the wildfire smoke is so thick, you can't go outside and you're watching your three-year-old kid not understand why they literally are not allowed to go outside in the natural environment is enough to make you be like I'm going to have 3 beers tonight because I'm going to feel good after that. And because, you know, there're only so ah. ma- so many things that are going to make me make me feel good. COVID, the election, you know, all of this stuff. It's an intense world right now, and sure I know alcohol is a depressant, but there is some sense of relaxation and joy that comes out of drinking. And so I don't know. I mean, I think I'm trying to look for like with everything else. I want to have a super successful podcast that has no social media and no marketing and no advertising and just naturally spreads like wildfire throughout the universe by people meeting good people at, you know, outdoor spaces where they have a heart to heart conversation and mention landline podcasts and remember it and listen to it. It's the same way with alcohol. I want to be able to like have this, like, experience with alcohol where I'm eating a delicious dinner on a beautiful night with a great group of people laughing and having, like, a, a sexy, real, visceral bottle of wine that is made from the earth by people who align with my values and is a representation of, you know, living to me. And so it's it, without that, I, I don't know. So much of my life has been around... The, the cultivation and enjoyment of what mother earth provides that taking alcohol out of that I don't know how to fully create my image of myself without it right now um, but I would say to your point being sexy and fit and you know aware and funny and productive and having twice as many podcasts and making more money and being nicer to the people in my life and being less moody, that might outweigh, like, the image I have of myself of enjoying the fruits of Mother Earth's fermentation on a late August evening with heirloom tomatoes and a well-cooked cheeseburger.
0: Right. I mean, when you were describing that scene, I I was thinking of, those old, you know, glossy magazine ads back when people were able to show tobacco in magazines, God forbid, and you write those Parliament commercials or those Parliament pages where you'd have, like, a cool, attractive, like, you know, Mediterranean-looking couple standing in, like, a turquoise swimming pool, you know, smoking a cigarette while, like, a um, schoolboy like, ran to, like, fetch them another gin and tonic, right? And you'd see those ads, and then of course, you'd run out and get a Cardinal of Parliament, and then you'd wake up in your mattress by yourself the next morning, smoking and wheezing, right, with like a disgusting ashtray right next to your hand. And the first thought that would come to mind is, Where's my goddamn swimming pool? Where's my pool boy? Et cetera, et cetera. So the vision not always matching up to the next morning reality.
1: Yeah. Well, here we are. I mean, I think it's it's a working. But pro- I get it,
0: man. I get I, I get what you're saying, and I think that I think what would scare me most if I went a year instead of a month as I toy with is that then I really would say, I'm, you know, can I can I turn this train around? Right, a year in, and you think you've you've stored up an awful lot of days not doing something, and maybe is it better just to just keep on going out of the station? I visited, you know, one of our mutual best friends right at his lovely house in Napa with other
1: yeah Tim Tim, this was, Tim the Craigslist yeah. winemaker he's known well on Landline Podcast yes now I'm going to tell a story about a sex scandal and you just ruined the end on the midday but anyway
0: um I was <laughs>
1: nothing that beats how proud you can be of yourself when you haven't drank too. I mean, the self, the self righteousness of not drinking is a pretty good high too. So, so there's that. All right. Well, Saul, I think we should uh, be good and be gone. And uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Um, You're, you're, you are going away to a national park. You are, you're getting out of Dodge. You're going hopefully full. You know, no internet. What what do they call it? Unplugging. You're unplugging this weekend. You're you're prepping for the election by unplugging.
0: And relatively speaking, or by, by plugging in, as Timothy
1: learned. Right. Um, well, we wish you the best of luck. And people are certainly jealous of you know your wardrobe and your vacation plans. So, um, thank you for being on landline. Super excited to do this more often. Next time I'm back. Next time I'm back, I want to talk
0: about bamboo versus one thing I've been doing a lot of research and I have a lot of questions
1: for you. About bamboo? Bamboo. You gotta, I mean, uh, Mitch, who has appeared, a resident therapist, has appeared on Landline, although I'm not sure he wants to be called that. He's not paid by the program. Um, he he paid a service provider to dig his bamboo up and remove it. I will tell you that bamboo, if you don't want it. Even if you do want it, it gets into positions where you're not happy to have it there anymore. So I would... I would well, that's why,
0: that's why I wonder why did he get running versus clumsy There's two kind of fundamental species. It's like men and women and human
1: kind. I don't know. we got to call him. I'll call him. I'll call him and ask. Y- right. You anyway, call that's him. That's why I'm doing my research. We, we don't want a runaway
0: bamboo forest in our yard. All we kind of do I also understand that sometimes you want things that ultimately are detrimental.
1: Just last we used to do and we should do it again. Let's do Business Excavator next time you're on the show. Business Excavator is this uh bit that Saul and I do where we come up with a tremendous business idea that we're never going to do and just give it out to the world for somebody else to. So this isn't a Business Excavator per se, but I will say in the Business Excavator, you know, world of landline the gentleman who played on our indoor soccer team with Mitch and I who helped Mitch with his bamboo. His entire business was digging up bamboo from people who wanted to get rid of it and getting paid and then selling it to somebody who wanted bamboo <laughs> installed and getting paid for that. And I feel like in a world where we have way too much stuff, you know, way too much plastic, way too many electronics, way too much everything, way too many humans that, um, it's like the junk man or whatever that, that truck is that you see driving around. Like, There's plenty of businesses where you get paid to take something away that somebody doesn't want anymore. And then you just go turn around and sell it to somebody else for money. I mean, is there any other better business model than selling something twice? It's pretty hard to beat.
0: I mean, you, can, you can't beat that.
1: And, <laughs> and I only wish that I had received a 25-foot box from UPS just full of Mitch's bamboo. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, um, be well, have fun, and, uh, you know, do good. I don't know. I guess I have to come up with a way to get off landline. Thanks for being on the show.
0: All right. You have a good one.
1: Bye. back.